Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. We think about the the mocking and the ridicule that he had to put up with. And, and like a sheep led to the slaughter. I mean, he, he kept his mouth shut. He didn't say a word. They got him, you know, stretched over this stump of wood and that cat of nine tails that's either leather strips fastened with bits of bone or glass or metal. It's removing the flesh from his back. It's by those stripes we are healed. We all have our limits. We can only take so much abuse before we reach the end of our rope. But how much abuse would you bear in order to save someone you love? Well, today, Pastor James reminds us exactly what Jesus went through before he even suffered the hanging on the cross. He endured torture and cruelty. He underwent a false trial and a betrayal by one of his closest friends. He did all of that so that we might have a choice. Even if only one person was saved, it would have been worth it to him. Now, turn in your Bible to the book of Isaiah, chapter 53. As Pastor James begins his message, The Suffering Savior. Isaiah 53, man, this is a cool chapter. Uh, Let me ask you, have you ever had somebody go just way out of their way to demonstrate their love for you in an extravagant way? You're like, well, I don't know. Um, Maybe, or maybe you've done this for somebody. You know, you're just kind of like, I'm investing all that I have into this one thing to present to this one person or these people that I care so much about. I'm going all in on this one thing for these people that I care about. Hopefully that's, that's conjuring up within your brains um, some memories of maybe something that you've done. Maybe it was for a parental figure, and you're like, I just want to, their birthday's coming up, or Mother's Day's coming up, or Father's Day, or whatever, but I want to go all out. I just want to go all out. I want to bless them. Or maybe you've experienced that from somebody. Somebody went just all out and just was like, I'm, I'm giving all that I have to make sure that you know that you are valued and you are appreciated. I hope to some degree or, or another you've experienced that. Uh, I would venture to say that probably most of us have to a certain degree or another, that extravagant love, extravagant love. The reason why I say that is because Isaiah chapter 53, and specifically the first 12 verses, this is the extravagant love of God demonstrated to us. You know, I could say that if you're sitting there thinking like, nobody's ever done anything nice for me, I can say, well, here, yes, somebody has. God has. He's gone way out of his way to extravagantly bless you, to, to extravagantly demonstrate the fact that you are cared for, that you are loved. Man, and he, he went above and beyond what anybody else will ever be able to do for you in your entire life. That's what he's done. That's what Isaiah 53 is all about. If we're going to put it into a nutshell, that's what it's all about. God's extravagant love. So let's, let's look at this. Um, verse 1. Technically, go back into 52, verse 13, if you don't mind. Just for the sake of context, it says this. And I'm going to read from New Living Translation. 
It says, see my servant will prosper. He will be highly exalted. But many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know he was a man. And he will startle many nations. Kings will stand speechless in his presence. For they will see what they had not been told. And they will understand what they had not heard about. So this is, you can go back into chapter 52 to to really start seeing that Isaiah obviously is, is prophesying concerning Jesus. And more specifically, the moment like on today that we're celebrating when he would be taken away, captured within uh, the Garden of Gethsemane where he sweat great drops of blood. I mean, he, he experienced that where his capillaries were bursting within his skin and it, his sweat mixed with the blood and the great drops because of such tremendous pressure, tremendous stress. If you don't know that story, I, mean, I would encourage you to spend some time in the Gospels rereading that. I mean, that's where Jesus was praying that, just that very open and very just beautiful prayer, if there is any other way, if there is any other way. And it's so much so that, again, he, you know, he was experiencing this, this very rare condition, but that does happen, medically speaking, where the capillaries underneath your skin can burst and you are sweating great drops of blood. He knew what was lying ahead of him. He knew the cross was lying ahead of him. And it wasn't the pain of the cross that he was afraid of. He wasn't afraid of that. It wasn't the torture, so to speak, that he would have to endure. The cat of nine tails, you know, across his back and the, the crown of thorns being jammed into his scalp. It was none of that stuff. He wasn't afraid of any of that stuff. I hope you understand that. He wasn't afraid of any of that stuff. What Jesus was facing was the wrath of the Father being poured out onto him for stuff that I did, for stuff that James Grizzle did. And that you all did. We're all, we're participators within that. That wrath from the heavenly father being poured out on him would cause a, for the first time ever, 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 a separation between God the father and God the son. First time ever. Never had happened. If there's any other way. There was no other way. It had to be. This was the only way. And so he gets arrested, he's betrayed by Judas, and he's arrested, and there's this illegal trial that happens, and, and all this stuff. I mean, it's just, and the, the religious leaders are trying to, basically, they're trying to get this thing done, because, well, if we're going to get him killed, we got to do it quickly. We got to do this quickly. And so this is what has been prophesied about concerning, you know, within Isaiah 52, and then it, it goes right into 53, and Isaiah many, many years leading up to this, this story, this night that we celebrate, is communicating that the one they've been looking for their entire lives, well, here he is, but this is how he gets treated by those of us who are looking for him. So verse 1 of 53, the flow just continues right on. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. This is speaking of Jesus, okay? There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. This kind of goes against all those Renaissance paintings of Jesus where he's this blonde, male model looking kind of guy, like I don't know what Bibles they were reading when they were painting some of these portraits. And I get it. You want to communicate him as, and he is beautiful. 
absolutely the most beautiful human to ever have existed on this planet is Jesus. But his physical form was completely normal, completely normal. In fact, we, we get hints of that in the Gospels because the soldiers needed Judas to identify who Jesus was by a kiss so they knew they, could, they were arresting the right guy. Judas like, no, it'll be the guy that I go to and that I, that I give a little a kiss on the cheek. That's the one you want. There's some ideas behind that that these guys didn't even really recognize who Jesus was. Chapter 52, the portion of Scripture that we read, 13 through 15, talks about his physical disfigurement at the hands of his accusers. So marred was his complexion. Pilate made this great proclamation to the entire crowd. Behold, the man, as in, this is the same guy that you delivered over to me. Because they physically probably wouldn't have been able to recognize that because of the punches and the slaps and the beard getting pulled out and then all the other brutality that went along with that. Humble in appearance, nothing majestic about his appearance. He didn't walk around with this glowing halo, okay? That didn't happen. That only showed up in pictures later, okay? He didn't have that. He was just a normal guy, but the most abnormal guy ever because he's totally human and completely God, 100%, 100%. And he was here to be the perfect sacrifice. Verse three, he continues to go on. This is just Isaiah, obviously, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and this prophecy concerning the unbelief of Israel. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. I mean, this is just so, such a powerful thing where, I mean, here's Isaiah, and I, I I would just, I would love to have been right next to Isaiah as he is penning this thing. And he's writing about this future Messiah. And I'm sure his mind is blown. Is like, no way, no way. I mean, he's going to show up and he's going to do all the stuff that was written concerning the Messiah. And this is how they're going to treat him. And we know, we look back on the cross and we know that this is carried out to the T. And before we get too harsh on the Jews, we, I think we understand, man, if I was there, I would have been doing the same thing. I would have been doing the same thing. I would have turned my back on him. If I was one of his disciples back then, I probably would have been one of the first ones to run away. If I'm honest, trouble's coming? All right, peace, I got to go. I've been here before. I'm gonna, I'm, I'll, I'll catch up with you guys later, right? Like, I'm gone. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Verse four, here's the beauty of this. So four through six, like this is the heartbeat of this whole passage, okay? So I want you to hear the heartbeat of this passage. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, 
crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. You can see why this is the heartbeat of this passage. I mean, this is it. Like, this is the why. This is the why. You always go through these things like, you got to ask the why. Why? 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 Why this? This is the why. We are sinners. And the weight of it, the weight of it all, all sins, all humanity, poured out onto him. I love this about this. It just shines a, a, a different light onto this familiar story for us. And when we think about the, we think about the beatings that he endured, we think about the, the mocking and the ridicule that he had to put up with. And, and like a sheep led to the slaughter. I mean, he, he kept his mouth shut. He didn't say a word. They got him, you know, stretch over this stump of wood and that cat of nine tails that's either leather strips fastened with bits of bone or glass or metal. It's removing the flesh from his back. It's by those stripes we are healed. It's not by those stripes you might be healed. It's by those stripes we are healed. We can get into the, well, what does that mean, healed? It doesn't always speak of all the physical stuff. I think we understand that. Not all healing has to be physical. There are greater needs when it comes to healing than physical healing. I want the physical healing. I have personal stories within my life. I want and I pray for the physical healing. But sometimes there's a greater healing that needs to take place. Sometimes that's a spiritual healing. Sometimes that's an emotional healing. Sometimes that, that could be like a, you know, and I don't want to separate the mental from the physical, but sometimes that's just a mind being renewed, a, a healing that happens within the mindset. We pray for the physical. The physical is like the most immediate because it hits us the hardest sometimes, right? We notice that. But there was a healing that takes place because of this act, and it's that of that spiritual healing. Because guess what? Man, we, we were born into this world. We're born broken. We're born sinners. And this heart I have, it's messed up. This mind that I have is messed up. This world we live in is messed up. It's messed up. It needs healing. Well, there is healing with him. I want you guys to turn over with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. Just a good little reminder here. Just so you know, Isaiah 53 is, uh, is like the most quoted portion of the Old Testament in the New Testament. Okay? It should blow your mind. Like, out of all the quotations, definitely out of the book of Isaiah, you're going to find Isaiah 53 or references from Isaiah 53 found the most. But if you look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, start in verse 21, I just want to show you how, just how beautiful that the New Testament with the Old Testament, how they go together. Verse 21 says this, for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering 
Well, no, just scratch that one out, right? Because we, we Americans, we certainly don't like that. So it's like, is there a new translation that I can get that doesn't? No. In fact, if you have a Bible that doesn't include that part, throw that away because no. This is a part of the gig. This is part of the deal. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. And can I tell you that it probably will mean suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example. You must follow in his steps. Verse 22, he never sinned nor deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God. He left his case in the hands of God. The other way to say that is, he let God fight his battles. That's a good lesson for us today. If he wanted to, he could have spoke a word. And everybody around him that was causing or inflicting harm upon him would have vanished, would have been done away with. All he had to do was snap his finger. But he didn't. Verse 24, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. It's not just so that you could be dead to sin. There has to be an alternative. There has to be the alternative. You could be dead to sin so that you can live for what is right. He goes on to say, by his wounds... You are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. This is Jesus. This is the man that Isaiah 53 is talking about. The one who would pay the ultimate price, the ultimate, absolute ultimate price. And I know we, looking out at this room, I know we, we get that. We understand that to whatever degree we do. We'll never fully get it, I think. And so I would ask you, as, as it, we'll finish out this last little portion, and I'm going to read a couple other cross-references for you guys. All I would ask you to do, and if you're watching online and, or hearing about how Jesus died on the cross for you, all that I would ask you to do is this. Turn that off and look at it as if it's the first time you've ever seen this, as if it's the first time you've ever heard this. Don't lose the newness and the the sweetness of this because it's like, man, I, I grew up in church and it's Jesus dying, Jesus dying, Jesus, you know, all that stuff. Turn that all off and revisit this with a fresh set of eyes. I would encourage you to do what, what I've been encouraged to do as, you know, as individuals have spoken into my life and I've gone through like, inductive Bible studies. I've done that stuff. Homiletics, I've done that stuff. All that good stuff. How to study the Bible and prepare sermons and blah, 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 blah. All that stuff. The best advice I've ever been given. Put yourself in the story. Put yourself there. Put yourself next to Isaiah as he's pinning this thing, thinking like, what in the world? This is the Messiah. He's the one. He's the one, and they're going to do this to him? But he knows the story, though. But look how, man, that's the guy I want to follow. 
because this is the ultimate hero. This is the ultimate hero because the ultimate hero lays down his life for all of his enemies. It's one thing for a hero to lay down his life for people that love him to death. It's another thing to lay down your life for people who hate your guts. That's who we're talking about in this story. Put yourself there with Isaiah. Put yourself there with Mary and some of the other ones who are kind of standing off at a distance and they watch Jesus die on the cross. Put yourself in the shoes of those disciples who ran away. Revisit it with some fresh eyes. Fresh eyes. It's like that thing with uh, The Passion, that movie that came out. I don't even know when it came out. It came out a while ago, but Mel Gibson did the still where this movie, I've only seen it twice, and that's it. That's it. That's all I could take. I saw it twice in the theater when it came out. And I'm like, I'm not, I can't do it anymore. I just can't. Because I just, I don't care if it's a depiction. For me, it's like, I can't watch people do that to my Jesus. I just can't. Part of that movie was, and I, I get this, you know, and Mel Gibson was going to, he was keeping it pretty accurate and all that good stuff. But I love the, the fact that within one of those shots, and you may know the story where they're driving the nails into his wrist. I don't even remember if they did it in his wrist. It, it's always in the wrist. It's never in the hand, just so you know. Um, that's the, the weird guy in me. It's always in the wrist, okay? Um, the hand can't support the body. It just can't. So anyways, um, the soldier is holding the spike and driving in the nail. That's that's Mel Gibson. He wanted to be the guy. His hands doing that and identifying as like, it was me. It was my sins that put him there. It may as well have been me, the one standing there as this was going down. The other person I would just throw out there to you that I think I identified the most with within that story of if you're going to put yourself in anybody's shoes during that story, let it be that, that guard let it be that soldier who, when it all happened, it all happened, and he watched. He watched this Jewish man get crucified and die like nobody else has ever died. And he heard all the sayings from the cross. He heard all the statements and all the sayings from the cross. He watched as people walk by, and they, they, they were mocking him and, and shouting all these things at him. But he watched this guy die, and he was so moved by it, he said, Truly, this was the Son of God. Put yourself in his shoes, that Roman Gentile who thrives in inflicting pain upon people, who has never been moved by any crucifixion before. And he's probably witnessed thousands of them. And for the first time ever, he sees Jesus die and he says, that dude was different. That has to be the Son of God. I most relate to that guy. I most relate to that guy. 2 Corinthians 5.21, this is another good cross-reference. This is Paul writing to the church of Corinth. Pretty messed up church, if you know their history. If you think you've been a part of some broken churches, you have no idea. Um, <laughs> for God made Christ, who never sinned or who knew no sin, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ.
We're so glad you tuned in today to learn from God's Word on Bread for the Broken. Pastor James has been teaching through a series called The Road to Redemption. As you learn about the journey and progression that led Jesus to the cross, you come to humbly appreciate what Jesus was willing to step into for you. Why on earth would he agree to such a torturous path that would ultimately lead to his imminent death? Well, if the story only ended on the cross, it would be no story. It'd just be history. But the story carries on because Jesus' death meant life for all. His sacrificial death took the sins of all that no one else could bear. But because Jesus is God, he didn't just stay dead with your sins. He conquered death, proving that he's stronger than death, which makes you free from the debt of sin. That's such a relief, isn't it? Are you familiar with this narrative, or is this all new information for you today? Well, if you have questions, would you get in touch with us? Go to breadforthebroken.com and fill out the form under the contact tab. We'd be happy to follow up with you on what you heard in today's message. If you'd like to explore more teachings from this series or other books of the Bible, you can also do this at our website, breadforthebroken.com. With that, our time with... With that, our time with you has come to an end today, but join us again next time as Pastor James shares more in this series called Road to Redemption. Jesus didn't come to redeem just a select few. He came to save you too. So be encouraged and inspired by what you hear on Bread for the Broken.